This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Well, pull your notes out for today's message if you'd like. I want us to look into uh, the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles, and we're, we're moving into chapter 15. And I want to talk with you today about finishing your life well. Uh, I hope you understand it's not how you start, it's how you end that really matters. Because we all have sport, sports teams, may, uh, you've, uh, you've probably seen this in sporting where, where a team, uh, the first part of the season just isn't doing all that well, and then uh, at the end of the season they just start peaking and doing it well and they start, and they end up with winning the championship. I think of my beloved Broncos, who did that last year, who did not, uh, for football, they, they did not have a good season particularly, but they peaked at the right time of the year, and they finished really well with a, with a championship. And, you know, uh, that's how we want our lives to be. We want our lives to peak at the right time. You know, we were talking about Jesus coming soon, and, and we want to be on a spiritual high when, when Jesus comes back. We want, when the, when the day that we end our time here is over and we step on the other side, we want to be peaking for God, hitting on all eight cylinders spiritually. Does that make sense? That's what we want to talk about today. And we're going to be looking into the life of one of Judah's kings by the name of Asa, A-S-A. Now, to understand what's going on here in chapter 15 of 2 Chronicles, um, it's important for you to know a little bit of history. And I know that history isn't the favorite subject for a lot of people, and you might start zoning out. But hang with me, because one of the reasons why I'm taking you through this series of lessons in the Old Testament, I want you to become familiar with these very important truths and stories, because out of them, God speaks definite truth to us that relate to today. And if you want to think about it this way, the Old Testament is kind of the foundation upon which the New Testament is then built. And so all the promises that are fulfilled in Christ are given to us, the blessings that God promises are given to us in the Old Testament, and Christ fulfills that, and then we start building this incredible life of personal relationship with God because we understand the truths from the Old Testament. And so I, I want you to understand these things and to, to tuck it deep into your heart because God's going to use it to speak to us. So let me just start by sharing this with you, that after the death of King David, and you remember David who was the second king of Israel and he was Israel's greatest king. Um, after the, his death, his son Solomon became the king and God used Solomon to really establish Israel's dominance in all of the world. Under Solomon's leadership, Israel became the richest nation on earth and its borders went all the way from Sinai, which um, is down by Egypt. If you're kind of, you got Sinai and then you got the Suez Canal and you got the land of Egypt. If you're thinking about that, if you know a little bit of topography there, it's the, the Israel went all the way down into the Sinai, all the way up then to the Euphrates River, which is in the nation of Iraq today. Well, when Solomon died, his son Rehoboam became the next king. But Rehoboam was not as wise as his father, and he alienated a large 
part of the nation of Israel by imposing very heavy taxes upon them. And because of this, the Bible says that 10 of the northern tribes, you remember there were 12 tribes that made up the nation of Israel, 10 of those that were in the northern part of the nation rebelled against, against Rehoboam's rule. And these 10 tribes uh, were all in the north and they split from the, the, the two southern tribes. And the 10 northern tribes became known as Israel, even though the full nation was called Israel at one time. Now, it's just the 10 northern tribes that are called Israel. And the two southern tribes, which were made up of two, two tribes, Benjamin and Judah, these two tribes became known simply as Judah. And the reason for that is that Benjamin was a very small tribe and Judah was a huge tribe. So the two together just were called Judah. And both of these, these uh, nations, these kingdoms, had their own capital, and they had their own king. The 10 northern tribes of Israel were led by a man by the name of Jeroboam. I just talked about Rehoboam, so don't get them confused. Jeroboam is king of, of the 10 northern tribes. Rehoboam is the king of the two southern tribes. And Jeroboam was, was an evil king. He led the people into terrible spiritual apostasy. They totally forsook the Lord as their God and affected generation after generation. I mean, his influence was terrible upon the people of Israel. They began worshiping the gods of the pagan nations that were all around them. The two southern tribes of Judah, they kept their commitment to the Lord at least for a much longer period of time following the ways of of their ancestor David, who came out of the tribe of Judah. And with, I think, the temple located in Jerusalem, which is also in Judah, I think the, the, the remembrance of it, or, or just seeing the temple, constantly kept those people focused on the reality of the one true God who was the Lord. But in the last part of, of Rehoboam's uh, reign and his life in so, the southern tribes, he, he let his commitment to the Lord begin to waver. After he was uh, firmly in control of Judah, the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 12, verse 1, that he abandoned the law of the Lord and all of Israel, and here it's talking about specifically the two tribes of Judah, followed him in this sin. You know, it's amazing the impact of leadership. Leadership can either draw people towards God or push people away from God. Who we choose as leaders of our nation is very important because the impact, you say, well, I don't see much spiritual depth in any of them, and that might be true. But we have to, we have to understand the, the powerful impact of leadership upon us and upon our children. And so Rehoboam fell away from his commitment to the Lord, and it says here that all of Judah followed him in this sin. Well, because of that, the blessings of the Lord were, were lifted off of Judah, and they came under attack from the nation of Egypt. 
Well, this caused the people to rethink their relationship with God. They humbled themselves before God. They called upon him to forgive them of their sins and to deliver them from, from their, their rebellion and, and from the attack of Egypt. And verse number 12 says that because Re Rehoboam humbled himself, the Lord's anger was turned away and he did not destroy him completely. There were still some good things in the land of Judah. You'll see I underlined that, that last sentence because the Holy Spirit really spoke to me about that truth right there. I'm going to tell you the truth, and, and I think most of us understand that America has enjoyed blessings beyond measure, beyond any other nation on earth. We have, we have enjoyed through most of our history, incredible blessings and favor from God. And not because we're smarter people and not because we're better people than the rest of the world. It's simply because our nation as a whole was established on the, the values of, of Judeo-Christian values. And that has brought God's blessing to all of us as a people. The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is, do you know the rest of it? The Lord, that's right. It doesn't say blessed is every nation who has a God. It says blessed is the nation who has a commitment to a, a one particular, the one true God. And his name is the Lord. In the Old Testament, he was referred to as Jehovah. We translate that in English as the Lord. So the Lord is, is the name of the God that we serve. He is the Lord. He is Jehovah God. And the nation that has him as their God and they follow his way is blessed of him because all the other gods of all the other nations are false. They're not real. They're not true. They're man-made. And so God says blessed as a nation when that nation serves God. And so because we as a nation, I'm not saying that we've always been born again people. I'm simply saying that we've established our nation upon Judeo-Christian values and that has brought incredible blessings upon us as a people. But in recent years, we have like Judah and Israel chosen to walk away from those values. And we are now reaping the consequences as a society, as a nation, for those choices. But here is what, where I am encouraged. Listen again to that, to that verse. It says that the Lord did not destroy Rehoboam and Judah completely. Why? Because there were still some good things in the land of Judah. And I believe this is what God wanted me to tell you. If those of us who claim Christ as our personal Savior and have made him Lord of our lives, if we will seek him with all of our hearts and if we will commit to living our lives with authentic faith all of our lives, we can reverse the current trends and return the blessings of God to this nation. Even if we as a society as a whole do not follow the Lord, those of us who are born again 
as a light in the nation, as a light in the, in the land, if we can be a part of the good things in our day, in our era, in our nation, in America, I believe that God will restore blessings back to us as a people. And folks, if you have children, if you have grandchildren, if you have great-grandchildren, that ought to mean an awful lot to you. Because after we're gone, it, it's important that the, the Word of God and the blessings of God continue to those who follow us. Well, after the death of Rehoboam, his son Abijah became the king. So now we've moved from David to Solomon to uh, Rehoboam and now to Abijah. He becomes the king. And, and Abijah did not have a heart fully after the, after the Lord. He was not fully committed, but he, he did live his life with godly principles. His heart was not for God, but he lived his life by godly principles. Uh, principles, and so God used him to bring judgment upon the northern ten tribes of Israel who were under the leadership of Jeroboam. Abijah defeated Jeroboam in battle, and, and Jeroboam was killed in that battle. But, but because, Re, uh, because Abijah did not have a heart for God fully, like his, his ancestor David did, his reign lasted only three years in Judah. Upon his death then, his son Asa became the king. And I want to talk with you about Asa uh, today. But Asa was different from his father. Asa served the Lord with a full heart. And because of it, the Lord set him upon his throne for 41 years. Now, because Asa started out fully committed to the Lord, God gave him peace on every side. His nation was in peace. For the first 10 years of his reign, all of Judah enjoyed peace and prosperity. Man, don't you just long for peace again in the world? Uh, we haven't had peace in so long. And, and during Asa's reign, for 10 years there, he, they had no conflict, peace, and prosperity. During this time, he cleansed Judah from all the pagan worship that had begun to creep in among the people. 2 Chronicles 15, verse 8 says, He took courage and removed all the detestable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin, and in the towns that he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim, he captured those from Israel. In those towns, he got rid of all these detestable idols. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which stood in front of the entry room in the Lord's temple. So clearly, Asa is on the right track spiritually. And God was blessing him because his heart was for the Lord. I'll talk about this a little bit more later, but in the latter years of his life, in fact, the last five years of his life, Asa became proud, and something happened because of that. In the first, during the first 36 years of his reign, God blessed Judah. He, he gave them victory over armies and enemies they should have had no ability to conquer or beat and it wasn't their power it wasn't because they were so great it's because God the great God was with them giving them the victory but in Asa's 36th year as king Judah came under attack from the northern 10 tribes they, they came under attack from Israel and this time instead of Asa humbling himself before the Lord Instead of him leading the, 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 the nation in, in a repentance of sins, of seeking God's help, instead of that, he solicited 
the help of the nation of Aram. And Aram is the country of Syria today. This gave him victory over Israel, sure enough, but God was not happy with him that he had reached out to Aram. So God sent a prophet to Asa to ask him why he would seek help from Aram instead of seeking help from the Lord as he had done in the past. And the prophet told him because he had done this, he would be constantly at war from attacking nations. He would have no more peace. Now this prophetic word made Asa really angry. And so he put the prophet who told him that in prison. You know, it's like, don't kill the messenger for the message, you know. This is one of those times that he put the messenger in prison because of the message. But judgment did in fact come upon Asa, not only nationally, but in his own personal body, he developed a, a foot disease of all things. In fact, it was called in scripture, a serious foot disease. But Second Chronicles 16, 12 says, yet even with the severity of this disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to physicians, to his physicians. Asa was a man who started out great, but didn't end up that way. All because his heart was not fully committed to God throughout his lifetime. As I read Asa's story again, two scriptures from all of the, these chapters really jumped out to me and the Holy Spirit spoke to me about it. And so you're getting to hear what the Holy Spirit said to me. I'm bringing it to you. But he spoke this to me. Now the first scripture that jumped out at, to me from the from the Holy Spirit is Second Chronicles 15, 8, where it says that Asa repaired the altar of the Lord which stood in front of the entry room of the Lord's temple. And here's what God spoke to me. He said, we must also repair the altar of the Lord. We have got to repair the altar of the Lord. This wasn't something Asa had to do. It's something we have to do. We have to repair the altar of the Lord. You say, well, where is it? I'll go work on it and repair it. I'm going to talk to you about that. Asa's altar was a literal altar. In fact, it's the altar upon which they, they sacrificed the animals for the atonement of sin and for peace offerings before the Lord. And so when they would bring goats and and lambs and bulls in, they would slaughter them and they would place their bodies upon the altar of God. And there they would burn it before the Lord as a sign of their commitment and their love for God and for the forgiveness of their sins. Now the Bible says here that Asa had to repair it. I don't know how it got damaged. I don't, it doesn't tell us how it, it, it got in disrepair disrepair. I can only speculate as to why, but it seems reasonable to me that it was in a disrepair condition because of non-use. Have you ever seen a house that's neglected? Nobody lives in it for a while. Does it get better? No, it always goes down. 
I believe the same thing happened to this altar because nobody was using it and nobody was paying attention to it. You see, the people of Judah had drifted away from their love for the Lord. And because of that, they gave little thought of the law of Moses that was given that stated that sacrifices were to be made to the Lord on a regular basis. So they weren't doing the sacrifices. That altar that had been built was just sitting there, empty, unused. No attention given to it. So since they weren't following the, the Lord with all of their heart, they neglected the altar of the Lord along with it. And, and when Asa became king, he was confronted by the prophet Azariah, who said to him in 2 Chronicles 15, listen, the Lord will stay with you as, as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. And I hope you allow that scripture to speak to you today because that truth is just as real in 2016 as it was in the time of Asa's life thousands of years ago. If you seek him, if you stay committed to him, if you stay with him, you will then seek him and find him. But if you walk away, the blessings of God are going to lift. They're going to fall away from your life. So Asa heard what the prophet said. He took it to heart at this point in his life. And so he went around all of Judah and tore down the idols throughout the land, got rid of the, all the signs of pagan worship that the people had begun to allow in. And then it says he repaired the altar of the Lord. And something from the Holy Spirit just jumped out to my heart when I read those words. He repaired the altar of the Lord. Just as an aside, I've got to tell you, everywhere I read, and this is especially in the Old Testament, where I read in the Old Testament that someone built an altar to the Lord or someone repaired the altar or someone sacrificed on the altar, I underline it. Because there's something God's trying to tell each and every one of us about how to live our lives with the blessings and, and, and the, the favor of God upon us. Asa repaired the altar of the Lord. Now today... We don't have a literal altar where animal sacrifices are made to the Lord. We all know that. We don't have something out here in the, in the field that we can all go out and sacrifice this afternoon for. Uh, but we still have an altar. And the altar of the Lord today is in the heart of every true believer. Every one of us who claim Christ as our Savior are a living altar unto the Lord. That's why the apostle Paul said, I die daily. What's he talking about? He says, I put myself on my own altar, on this altar of my heart, and I die to myself and I'm living for Christ. That's what that means. Inside of us, we have an altar. It's our heart. And one sacrifice was made to make this heart altar holy unto God. It was the sacrifice of Jesus upon that cross. He became the perfect. He became the last sacrifice. Hebrews 10.10 10 tells us, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once 
for all time. We don't have to have altars anymore because what he did sufficiently took care of every part of what was required to make us holy before God. Jesus became, hallelujah, Jesus became the last death that would ever be required to cleanse us from sins. No other death is required. Now when we accept him as our savior, when we make him the Lord of our lives, our hearts become a pure altar before God and the dwelling place of the spirit of God actually comes down and lives within you. And not only is God with us here in this building today, when we walk out of here, God is with us. When we drive down Bangor, God is with us. When we go to our jobs, God is with us. When we deal with our children, God is with us. When we're working on our marriage, God is with us when we go to the doctor's office. God is with us. Hallelujah. It's because we are the dwelling place of God. So Asa repairs a literal altar, but that principle is true for you and me too, because if we're not careful, we can allow the altar of our hearts to become damaged. Well, how does that happen? It happens by losing your first love for Jesus. Jesus said in Revelation 2.4, he says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me as you did at first. You don't love me like you did at first. And we understand that. We understand how love, love can ebb and, tie, ebb and flow. It happens in marriages. Couples grow apart. They lose their drive to keep their love alive for one another. They don't love each other like they once did. It happens in careers. People start out loving their job. They're grateful to have it. But through the years, their appreciation turns to criticism and complaint. And they have very little love for what was once considered a great blessing. And listen, it happens in churches too. A place where we once found authentic worship and genuine relationship with other believers becomes a place where all we see are problems and all we see is what we don't like. And if I were in charge, I wouldn't do it that way. And we lose focus on the great things that God is doing. And you know, we could go on and on. As a people, as human beings, we easily lose appreciation for the things and sometimes for the very people that once thrilled our hearts. And you know, God is saying here that it can happen in our relationship with God too. When I read that Asa repaired the altar of the Lord, I went to prayer. I'm just gonna tell you how it hit me. And I asked God to help me to repair my heart altar. any weakness that might be showing up in me that maybe I don't even see, any way I might be subtly losing my first love for Jesus, God, would you reveal it to me and help me repair my heart? I think it's important that we do that regularly, church, because sin and spiritual decline is a very subtle process. It's not like one minute you're on fire and the next minute, boom, you're down. Little compromises become big acts of disobedience that we never thought that we'd get involved in. 
Asa got this one right. He repaired the altar of the Lord. But what started out great in Asa's life didn't end up that way because in the last five years of his life, Asa rebelled against God. Which brings me to the second scripture of his, the story of his life that impacted me so much. In the second Chronicles 16, 12, that says, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Yet even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to the physicians. And here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I read that. He said, Jim, you have got to seek me with all of your heart for all of your life. If all you have is a testimony of something that God did for you a long time ago, and there's nothing happening right now, you're in trouble. You're in more trouble than you know. And this is the simple truth that God gave me. We must seek the Lord with all of our heart for all of our lives. The Lord says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me. When? When you seek for me with all of your heart. But that's not what Asa did. After repairing the altar of the Lord in chapter 15, by the time we get to the end of his life, Asa's heart has slipped spiritually. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. I love how, I think it's the NIV, it says, Out of it flow the issues of life. If What's flowing out of you is what's going on inside of you. That's true of me, all of us. What's coming out is what's going on inside. And we can say whatever we want, but boy, when it's coming out, that's a revelation of what's really going on on the inside. And that's why Proverbs says, above everything else, that's why I underlined it. It's like the key, the most important thing. Guard your heart. Don't let yourself slip. So for the first 36 years of his rule, Asa sought the Lord. We know from history that if a crisis hit the nation, he would seek God. But when Israel attacked, for some reason, instead of seeking God's help, he sought the help of another nation. And that displeased God because it showed that his heart was no longer depending on the Lord, but on the arm of flesh. Going back to Second um, Chronicles 16, it says that he turned only to the physicians. Don't take that scripture to mean that God is displeased when we go to doctors. That's not what it's saying. The point it's trying to bring to us is that God's people must always seek his blessings beyond human help. Human help can be wonderful and God may choose to use it, but however the help comes, all of it comes ultimately from the Lord. I'm reminded of what David said in Psalm 121, first two verses. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. 
He's not saying here, I lift up my eyes to the hills, my help's coming from the hills. He's saying, I look everywhere. What he's saying here is everywhere I look, I'm looking for help. But I understand this, that while other people may help me, my help comes ultimately from God, from the Lord. That's where my source is. So when I went to prayer after reading about Asa's spiritual decline, I made it quite clear to the Lord that my faith and my trust is in him. And I recognize that he is the hope of my life and he is the help of my life, him alone. And I thank God for how others have blessed me. Many of you have been a great blessing to me. My associates have been a great blessing to me. My wife has been an incredible blessing in my life. But ultimately, all help that comes to me is through them from the Lord. It's God using them to bless me. It's God using them to bless you. The tragedy for Asa came from his pride. Pride so controlled him that he refused to seek God about Israel's attack, and he refused to seek God about his own physical issues, and verse number 13 tells us tragically, he died in the 41st year of his reign. Maybe it was a premature death. I don't know. Maybe he would have been healed had he sought the Lord. I don't know. But he had a spiritual barrier in his life that hindered the blessings and the favor of, and the healing of God flowing into his life. Now, I got to tell you, as I thought about that, I realized there are two barriers that keep God's blessings from us. The first one is the same problem that Asa had. It's pride. Pride keeps us from seeking God. Pride keeps us in a false sense of self-sufficiency. And we think we can work our way out of it that we're smart enough. Pride does that to us. And it becomes a barrier. And then the second one is unforgiveness. I think unforgiveness is one of the biggest problems in the body of Christ. It's one of my hardest struggles forgiving people sometimes forgiving myself unforgiveness clogs the flow of healing and blessing from reaching us that's why we've got to guard our hearts this is pastor eric thanks so much for checking out our life church podcast we pray that it's a blessing to you for more information about life church check us out at lifechurchutah.com